Welcome home. I'm Kirsten. And I'm Graham. And this podcast is the home at class you wish you'd been offered. We're two moms aspiring to create gracious homes that are welcoming and functional, all while dealing with real life schedules, budgets, and children. Stick with us and we'll share and show what we know, what we've learned, where we've messed up, and how to fix it. For everything we can't make up, we'll bring in the best experts we can find. On today's episode, we're getting all sciency and debunking some widely held medical and household beliefs. We'll examine a long list of remedies, cures, and practices we're using that might have absolutely no scientific bearing on our lives. What's a time-tested truth and what's an old wives' tale? Plus, what we've learned from British pen pals, what Cinderella really thought about sensible footwear, Kirsten's obsession with daily step counts, and Graham's steadfast, lifelong commitment to lucky pennies. All that and more on this week's episode of Welcome Home. Welcome home, Kirsten. Welcome home, Graham. And welcome everyone to Welcome Home. We've got a doozy for you today. Uh, I yeah, was wait, listening- can I just say, when you sent me the outline, I was like, we have no business talking about any of these things. The outline she sent me was separating medical fact from fiction. And I was like, <laughs> yep, can't go. Yeah, exactly. Clearly, we're going to bring in the best experts we can find. No, but every now and then, you know, so I was listening to NPR. I spent- like to give medical advice. Yeah. Well, kidding. We're not doctors. You should no, consult your physician. Or no, how about this? The article was written by someone whose name is Gina Colada. <laughs> I mean, Gina Colada. That's great. Gina Colada. Gina Colada? So it came from a New York, yeah, like Pina Colada, exactly. Gina Colada. So this is from a New York Times article. And I actually heard this speaker um, who kind of did put this research together. She was on NPR. And basically what happened was it's 10 findings. It was an article that talked about 10 findings that contradict what once were wildly held theories, right? So basically it's this concept that we're holding on to all of this knowledge, or we have these old wives tales that, um, you know, that are no longer germane in today's society. I like this. And so then Kirsten, no, I mean, I, well, this is the problem is like, I start to think like everything is a lie. You know what I mean? I know. I, I know. Spiral downwards very quickly. Like Tylenol, is that even real? You know? <laughs> I think that's how we all feel about eggs though. Right. Cause we're from the messed up egg generation where it was oh, like, yeah, I mean, butter now white. is like the best. Oh yeah. Like spread butter or olive oil. Remember? I mean, remember we used to be fat free, like fat was so scary and bad. That was the nineties I'm referencing for any younger listeners. Um, and we would just pound like fat free frozen yogurt and sugar candy and think we'd have the best day of eating ever. Snack well cookies. So this is fun. So her list were 10 findings that truly legitimate contradict, like legitimately contradict medical studies, like legitimate. Yeah. These are, yes. These are actual, like, yes, have been studied. I saw a reference so the, to JAMA, which means right. American Medical, Medical something. <laughs> yeah. And the Lancet, those are big ones. So they did 3,000 studies between 2003 and 2017 in these kind of well-regarded, distinguished journals, um, even the New, New England Journal of Medicine. And they basically found there's kind of a medical reversal. Um, it's the what she calls it is the conclusions that were opposite of what had been conventional wisdom. Now, here, here's another funny thing that led me to think of this. My son Cohen has an English pen pal, um, and he's a sweet man who's Like older, a British pen pal? A British pen pal, yes. And so we write letters, and it's, he's, he's one of older? Our, oh, he's way old. He's about maybe, he's in his 70s, I think. How did um, and so they, 
Well, he's, he's one of our family friends and we've known them for years and they used to live in the States, but then they moved back. They're originally from England and they moved back and we just love them and adore them. But this man, the sweet man writes, he just, he's a writer. And so we get these multi, every year at Christmas, we'll get these multi-page, like front and back of a loose leaf binder, just pages and pages and pages of handwritten notes. I mean, it's a lost art. Nobody does that anymore. It's amazing. But so Cohen has started writing him back and they've, you know, they talk sports, they talk English soccer. I mean, they talk about everything, but what I'm getting at is in one of his very long letters, he sent me this cool old book that he, um, that he had, and it's not even book size. I think it sold, it actually, it's definitely old because it said it sold for 25 pence (laughs) and it's called fact or fiction, a dossier on old beliefs that die hard. So what I thought we would do was we would first look through this, um, list of 10, you know, that we know in the States, but then I added some that were from this really cool book. Um, and then cool. you added a bunch. Yeah. So. Well, I just crowdsourced it because I'm on vacation with my whole family and we, uh, we got a couple of fun ones. So I Google it. I'm like, no, I don't want to Google it. I want to so know. You what- no medical backing. Like mine are actually, the first 10 we're going to read are legitimate. And then the second ones are actually also legitimate. And then I guess we have Kirsten's list that means nothing. <laughs> well, wait, I, I didn't. I was serious. What's confusing is again. I feel like I've got inside knowledge because I'm looking at the outline, and all of our listeners are just gonna have to wait and see. Yeah, wait a minute, Kirsten. So yours are just okay. So yeah. So again, I I was going through like, is she gonna say because they came from a book called Fact or Fiction? I didn't know. (laughs) No, like okay. I can't wait to decide if they're fact or fiction. No, no, no. Okay, the first ones I'm gonna read you are from are from the New York Times. These are 100% real. The yes. second list are 100% real. <laughs> the, then your <laughs> list that you've put together is just a joke. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's get to this fun New York Times list because there were some interesting things in here. Okay. So these are all real. So basically, peanut allergies. This is this is some of these could be a little bit out there. Like so. Basically, when I was listening to this piece being discussed on NPR, the woman who kind of put this initial list together, she got a lot of pushback. So don't yell at me. Yell at Gina Colada. <laughs> okay. Don't yell peanut, at Gina Colada. <laughs> so basically, uh, peanut allergies occur whether or not a child is exposed to peanuts before age three. So as it turns out, children exposed to peanuts before they were one years old have no greater risk of peanut allergies. So that the whole concept of don't give your baby peanuts before they turn one, eh, it's done. It's out. You know what? It's so funny. When I read that, I I just been at this park and I saw this very like cool hipster couple that just like looked like they were just cool and on the cutting edge of everything. Mm -hmm. And they were giving their baby these peanut like puffies you know what I mean? Like, like a crunchy snack or whatever. Yeah. And it was peanut butter flavored. And I remember thinking, oh, I guess that's the new thing. So are you just throwing, co- are you just throwing caution to the wind? I, well, I mean, I just felt like, I felt like there were people who were on the cusp of everything is what I'm saying. They were up to speed. Okay. Yeah. So peanuts, like, I guess, I mean, I feel, you know, it's funny because I'm reading this aloud and obviously we have people who legitimately listen. I don't want to be the person handing out this advice. Like I could see how these things die hard. <laughs> I'm a little nervous. I don't want to be the one who someone now gives their baby like a spoonful of peanuts and something bad happens. But allegedly, it's just not true. You can give babies peanuts. I gave my kids peanut butter from like day one. I did too. Day one, they were like, I just always thought it would strengthen their immunity. The same way it turns out, like if you keep children around pets, like the dander is actually good for them. But we'll get to that. Okay, fish oil does not reduce the risk of heart disease. Well, I was never really going out of my way to eat fish oil anyway, but um. I tried to, I got on like a kick of fish oil for a little while and then the fish oil burps. I can't do it. 
oh yeah too much i'm like i don't care i'll find other ways to reduce my risk of heart disease but i'm not giving up cheese and i'm not gonna smell like fish all day that's a good one well so basically they say i mean i think what they were saying is that if you're the type of person who will go out of your way to care enough about your heart to take a fish oil supplement that you're also the type of person that's going to have other positive interesting you know, yeah, yeah, health yeah things so they couldn't correlate specifically the fish oil supplements just versus oh you're someone who cares about keeping your heart healthy let's think about all the other things you're probably doing you know to keep your heart healthy okay here's one a lifelike doll carried around by teenage girls will not deter pregnancies i so you gotta get your head around that you gotta i your- loved it well they're talking about like that that like high school project where you have to carry around Adult. People in high school, they don't, I don't think they have home ec anymore. I think that's wait, wait, but did you do that in high school? I remember I was in tech. I chose tech. <laughs> like, it's like I chose woodshop, but I was jealous of the girls who got the dolls because I thought that would be fun. <laughs> you were jealous. Yeah, I thought it was cool. I think we all wanted that. Like the doll that comes home and it has like a computer chip. I mean, remember that was when computer chips were still kind of new. And like the doll would cry at random times. And remember, like you had to sign a waiver that said you wouldn't put the doll like in your garage at night. To not be woken up by the crying. <laughs> Don't you remember that? Okay, so we didn't have a doll. We had a potato sack or a sack of flour. Mm-hmm. And, but it was, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Not because it was like a baby. It was fun be- and it was like you're back to playing with dolls. It was like um, fun. It was a fun art project. Like we got to paint a face on it and put glue hair on it. What? And it. <laughs> so for us, it was more of like a creative project. But I will, I will say... That was actually in a class. I went to an all-girls Catholic school. Uh-huh. We talked about life skills on, I guess, two weeks ago on our podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the best class ever. We, we learned more in that class than... Right. Useful knowledge, right? Yes, like, useful knowledge. Like, that's the class, yes, where we, had, we learned how to write a check properly. Um, one of the coolest things we did was we all had to go around in a circle and pull out a salary. And then we had to make a budget based on that salary. And some people got really high salaries. Some people got really low salaries. That's amazing. cool. Yeah. That's really um, but that's, cool. but yes, no, it did not. My, uh, well, here, this will blow your mind. The I study actually found that girls who carried around those infant simulators were slightly more likely to come to become pregnant. Cause they're like, I can handle this. <laughs> like I got this. I just put, I just put the baby in the garage at night. <laughs> All right, next up. Ginkgo biloba does not protect against memory loss and dementia. Never knew what it was for anyway. Again, yeah, not quite there yet. But anyway, there you go. Don't need to take it. I do know what it looks like in the plant form. Um, That's impressive. uh, Okay. Ooh, this is a good one. To treat emergency room patients like that are in terrible pain, a single dose of oral opioids is no better than aspirin or ibuprofen. Hmm. Hmm. Well, that basically there are safer alternatives to relieve, relieve pain just as well among ER patients. And I believe that a thousand times over because those opioids make me sick as a dog. And so if I ever have like a little surgery or something that it requires, I always just take a really strong ibuprofen. And it what, what, is, what is an opiate? Is that like, um, um, oh gosh, what's it's it like called? Oxycontin, right? And yeah, yeah. Um, that's basically what they give you, you know, after surgery, like the stuff you kind of really almost they, you need to take for the first 48 hours after surgery. Yeah. No, I, I feel really like that's interesting. Monitors. Yeah. I've okay. had three C-sections, so I felt like I needed that. But here's the thing. I also, I hated it. 
So yeah, no, you need, I think you need it for like the first 48 hours, but you kind of got to like rip the bandaid off and just go straight to the other stuff as quickly as you possibly can. Right. But you know, people are so, are so concerned about uh, developing an addiction to it. Mm-hmm. I hated it. Yeah, because so they make much. you nauseous and sleepy. I it don't made understand. me nauseous. It made me so loopy. Like I'd go places and I didn't remember how I got there. And it was just a very unsettling feeling. Oh, see, you're lucky. See, that just shows you're stronger than me. I can't even get out of bed when I take something like the opioids. Like when I'm having my opioid days. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about, for example, this is actually very top of mind right now. Because I'm, so anyway, I just came from the surgeon. This oh, morning. do you have to have surgery? Yeah, I have another. So I get hernias. Blah, so annoying. Um, and so I have to have another hernia surgery. So um, it's, you know, I, I'm just, it's on my mind right now. Your opioid okay, use. <laughs> my opioid use. How am I going to manage these after my hernia surgery? Oh, man, so sad. Okay, testosterone <laughs> treatment does not help older, main, older men retain their memory. Okay. I didn't know that was a thing. We only have like 1% men. Let's skip that one anyway. Okay. To protect against asthma attacks, it won't help to keep your house free of dust mites, mice, and cockroaches. Um, but it will help your life to not have mice and cockroaches. <laughs> How about to protect against having friends and the health department? <laughs> oh, who cares about asthma attacks? If you've got mice and cockroaches, like, come on, people. Come on. This is, again, why we don't trust science. Because <laughs> like, they gloss over the real, like, nut of the problem, which is, like, you have a major, major problem if your house is crawling with mice and cockroaches. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just imagining, like, how they did this test. Like, your house is disgusting. Your children breathing. <laughs> well, wait, let, to be fair, when you live in the South, there are, like, so there are two types of roaches. I feel like we've discussed this on the show. In the North, they're the German roaches, um, and they're the, like, icky, icky ones that really are disgusto. They're a different breed than the Southern roaches, which, as my husband tells me, because they're here, and they are in your house, and, like, you just have to deal with them, and, like, we have pest control, and it's just a thing. We call them palmetto bugs to give them a nicer... Um, <laughs> To give them a nicer like thing, but they're just roaches. Rebranded. Like, we've rebranded the roaches, but they're there. And usually you'll wake up in the morning and it'll be like, you'll go out into the kitchen and they'll be upside down because like the, the pest treatment is working. Okay. It's disgusting. I know, but these are real things. How so are your kids breathing? Them. How are they doing? Oh, fit as a fiddle. <laughs> Do your kids have asthma? No, they don't. Mm. How about yours? I have one with asthma. Yeah. Okay. So, well, I, I, you, our house has very few mice, cockroaches, or dust mites, though. So. Well, you probably have a ton of dust mites. Let's be honest. Everyone has dust mites. No, we don't have dust mites. Ah, uh-uh, we're good on our dust mites. But you know what we do have, which like totally gets them. Everyone has dust mites. What are you talking about? I keep they my home your, dust free. No, they live I, in your pillows. Like. Oh, okay. Maybe. Maybe. But I will tell you. No, you know what is disgusting that we have? What? Spider webs. Oh, the little tiny ones. Like, like I don't know how I miss them, but the spiders have built whole master plan communities in the corner. Yeah, usually like under a sofa or something. Notice this. And if you try to get rid of them, they rebuild like eat with fervor. They're like, yeah. I'm coming back and I'm doubling the size of my structure. Mm-hmm. We live in a very spidery thing, and my husband likes to go hunting for black widows at night with little like you know those those like uh, flashlights that go on top of your forehead. In your house? No, he'll like go around the yard. 
Because you guys like, have scorpions and stuff oh, too. I know. We're, we're it's bad news. You have some weird stuff. You make fun of me a lot, but you know what? You're not so like free of terrible pests. You have really crazy snakes. You have scorpions. You have black widows. Uh huh. And Maybe we also have, in our neighborhood. We've talked about this in the show. I have flood irrigation. Mm. Have we talked about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So for those of you who are new listeners or don't aren't familiar with this concept, it's a very weird thing that we do in c- certain neighborhoods in Arizona that were originally orange groves, we have flood irrigation. So we have these canals and I have a valve in my yard and once a month in the winter and twice a month in the summer, this guy comes in the middle of the night, opens the valve and my whole yard floods with water, just pours into my yard for an hour. And then they turn off the valve and it goes to my neighbor's yard. Anyhow, that makes for massive mosquito problems. So even though we're in the desert and there really aren't mosquitoes, because I have like standing water that I bring in, oh, I get mosquitoes too. It's awful. Do you have to have the mosquito spray guy? Yeah, it's terrible. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, next up, step counters and calorie trackers do not help you lose weight. That's I, sad. I, think I that's, oh man, they're so nice. I like them. I mean, what do you think about that? I mean, I know. I guess it's. Been I mean, I've never used one, so you, you don't use one. No, but I did get excited. I went on a walk with a girlfriend the other day and she used hers. So it's like, I like to bum off other people. And at the end of the walk, she said we went 3.7 miles and I was happy about that. But <laughs> I, was, I was happy to know what I had just done, but I didn't feel like doing it myself. Well, my thought is you don't lose weight by exercising. You lose weight by diet. That has always been my thought. Okay. That said, like there is a correlation, obviously, Mm-hmm. Right. But I, I do feel like the more I exercise, the more I eat. I am so hungry when I exercise. I know. Right. For sure. So, so I understand that it's almost like, oh, well, you know, when you have a really good workout and you're like, oh, well, I've earned this. I've yeah. just burned all those calories. So I think like maybe what, what the problem with this is if you, you realize you're getting a high step count, then you feel entitled to eat more. And so that's, Ooh. that's my theory, but I still love my step counter. And I will, I will say that it does it does make me exercise more. Nobel Prize for you, scientist Kirsten. I think you, honestly, they've given out those prizes for less. Really? I think you just might have found the correlation. Okay. Torn knee meniscus. Try physical therapy first. Surgery later. Huh. Um, a lot of people in the United States get surgery to fix knee cartilage that tears, often because of osteoarthritis. The tear is painful, and many patients fear that if it isn't treated, the pain will linger. But when patients with a torn meniscus um, had six months of physical therapy, both groups improved to the same extent. Okay. okay. Have All you right, ever so done physical therapy for anything? No. Um, so don't rush to surgery is what we've learned. Okay. Maybe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Unlike me who just went this morning, it was like, sign me up. I got to get rid of this thing. <laughs> okay. Oh, this actually, now this was germane to me. If a pregnant woman's water breaks prematurely, the baby does not have to be delivered immediately. Now that actually, this is probably, so that's the last of the 10. Um, This is a big deal. I think that's actually a really big deal because my, I think that changed the whole trajectory of my second pregnancy because I think my water broke a little bit um, and it basically like changed the way that I was monitored, the hospital that I went to, the doctors that were watching me. How how early did your water break? I'm trying to think back. Well, maybe it was like four to five weeks. Really? So, it was That's like a, a little, time. It was a little bit. You know, it was just a little something. I don't know. I'm not sure what they're referring to in this, but. Well, no, I, they're saying, okay, so he, yeah, the, the thought weeks, was yeah. that if, if your water breaks. Yeah. 
That, it that says it, sometimes a few weeks before a woman's due date, the membrane surrounding the fetus ruptures and amniotic fluid spills out. Okay, so that's basically what happened to me. And then yes, and they were worried that bacteria could could invade the sterile environment and cause an infection, so it was better to deliver the baby immediately. But this clinical trial found that if obstetricians carefully monitor the fetus while waiting for natural labor to begin, the fetus is in no greater risk for infection. So it's the infection and the infection thing. Well, that's, I don't know. And then they also said that the the newborns who were left to gestate were healthier with less respiratory distress and lower risk of death than those who were delivered immediately. So the the baby had longer to develop. So that's the thought. Yeah, basically. Well, and then you think about all the concomitant things that, you know, go along with that. Because for example, so that I had that little water break thing and then they basically gave me that steroid shot which um, was very painful, um, but was to help uh, the lungs. A lot of pain, you can have an opioid or just Tylenol. (laughs) But, you know, like they gave it to me so that the baby's lungs could premature, could um, quick, you know, I think that speeds up the lung development. Okay, so you don't have like RSV or... Yeah, so they give you that shot, but it's like the chicken and the egg thing, right? Like maybe they could have just left me alone. Right. Well, that's the, I mean, it is, I don't know, know, like I am... I know your dad. I don't know if I'm I'm risk averse or I mean I'm I'm probably pretty average. <clears throat> but um gosh, with pregnancy it's like no, no, you know what I mean? You're just like whatever. I'll risk it. You know what I mean? You just like I Yeah, you don't want to take any risks. No, you're well, not going to use like, oh, well a new clinical study found. You're like, "Okay, let's try that." You're like, "Yeah, no. and I'm like, "Okay, you've got a shot. Like you think the baby's coming?" Okay, yeah, give it to me. I'm ready. <laughs> Pants are down. <laughs> I'm ready. Okay. Um, okay i think now is time uh it's a good time to take a quick little break because we have two fun sponsors absolutely so we want to introduce you guys to a brand which is the coolest thing we want to tell you about it's called the citizenry and the citizenry is a socially conscious home decor brand and they bring time-tested craftsmanship into the modern home they travel around the globe and they partner with master artisans to create designs with a soul a story and a purpose. They have these pieces that are crafted in over 15 countries and their collections are designed to highlight the unique materials and the crafting tradition of each destination. Like these are authentic. Yeah, Kirsten and I basically got these ridiculously gorgeous, long, 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 long lumbar pillows. Um, each pillow is hand dyed with all natural dyes, like kind of native, using native plant extracts. So there's no chemicals whatsoever. Um, a single pillow takes a weaver, a, a weaving cooperative, three days to make, and they're all made start to finish in a fair trade environment. And basically, every dollar you spend supports fair wages, safe working environments, and is a direct investment into artisan entrepreneurs. I mean, basically, I have this pillow out on my new in my new room in our house. Basically, I put it on our kind of chocolate leather sofa, and it is just it's lovely. It's very vibrant, like it's a conversation piece. Yeah, no, I have, I got one for my bedroom because my bedroom is all blue and white and I got the blue and white when I put it on my white couch and it just makes it, it, it raises the entire decor of our, of our bedroom. And I didn't know if it would, it just works perfectly. And one of the cool things is the citizenry donates 10% of their proceeds directly back into the artisan communities around the globe to help those entrepreneurs take their businesses to new heights. So this is like a really special special brand. Yeah, uh, but they don't just sell, um, they basically, it's not just lumbar pillows. Kirsten and I were fortunate enough to try the lumbar pillows, but they have a humongous line of home decor that you can get. But we have a special offer for our listeners. So basically, for, what'd you say? It's a good offer. Yeah, it's, it's actually quite good. For $50 toward your first purchase of 200 or more, go to citizenry 
citizenry. So I'll spell that for you, podcast.com. And just use the code welcome home. Um, so it's C-I-T-I-Z-E-N-R-Y podcast.com and use our code, which is welcome home. The interesting thing about this, which I don't think we've mentioned on a lot of our um our codes, Kirsten, is that oftentimes there's no space in between welcome home. So if yes. you guys are doing these um, codes, just do like welcome home, all one word. Mm -hmm. So it's welcome home, all one word, citizenrypodcast.com, and you'll get $50 off a purchase of 200 or more. Thanks. Yeah, you're going to like this website. It's really, it's really beautiful. Um, really beautiful things. Thank you, citizen. We love our pillows. Now, if you would like to not smell, what do you do? Oh, I have an idea for that. You should try Native Deodorant. We have very cool sponsors, I'd like to say, too, by the way. We're hipsters. Kirsten, we're the ones handing out, like, peanut butter puffs. Do, do, thank you. Yeah. If you're the type of person who's totally cool with feeding your baby peanut butter because you are cutting edge, you're also probably someone who doesn't like a bunch of junk, like aluminum, parabens, and talc in their deodorant. Yeah, or like if you're the type of person who doesn't shave their armpits, this could still work for you. You could still put this. But if you're the type of person who does shave your armpits yeah, and doesn't like animal testing and likes free shipping and returns, these are all <laughs> things that Native Deodorant can give you. Okay, basically, guys, Native is great. They, they have safe, simple, effective products that people use in their bathroom every day. And people, by the way, this, this, this brand has like a following. I was at the... I was with a hairstylist and I was so I was like, oh, you got to hear about my new deodorant. She goes, is it native? And I said, yes. And she's like, you're the third person this week who's told me about that. So people love it. It has, um, what is it? 7,000 five-star reviews from their customers. Um, again, ingredients, you know, the smells are fabulous. They have a bunch of different scents. Um, the one that I got was lavender and rose and it is delightful. That sounds delightful. I got eucalyptus and mint. Do you think that native deodorants, like the Harry's of razors, like that they're like, the, you know, the way a lot of people, like Harry's really caught on, everyone uses it, that like native is kind of like that. I kind of feel like it is. Or like how people just, yeah, or like Rothy's, how everyone, like people who have tried it, love it and are obsessed with it. So right, like it just became, join like, you the never knew the world without it. Yes. If you want to join the native deodorant craze um, and get 20% off your first purchase, you're going to want to go to nativedeodorant.com and use the promo code welcome home during checkout. Again, that's one word, welcome home. 20% um, off your purchase, visit nativedeodorant.com and use the promo code welcome home um, and you will save 20%. It's, uh, it's great. People love it. And ingredients you know. Delightful. Okay. Thanks, Native. Should we get back to your BS list that you've come up with? I almost feel like we should pepper in like Kirsten's ridiculousness. No, um, no, no, no. I want to hear this. Okay. Let's do your, your list. Okay. So. Okay. My list actually has a book that backs it up so I can read. So how about this? I'll read you the list. And if you want elaboration on any more, um, I will try to find the page and we can like really get into it. So Could for you example. Do it in a British accent? Yes. Richard III was a hunchback. <laughs> Just because I feel like if it's, if it's in a British accent, I'll believe it. This is the cutest. And it's also like this tiny little book. I'm trying to think. There's no... Oh, it's from the Reader's Digest Association. <laughs> I'm trying to see. If I, oh, it was lost. It's, it's lustered me. I wanted it to be from somewhere like Nottingham Gardens Press. Yeah, Nottingham. It sounded very British. Okay. Brown eggs are more nutritious. Oh, this was published in 1973. So... <laughs> Yes. <laughs> okay, brown eggs are more nutritious than white eggs. Do you know about Google? 
Yeah, but the, but this is a real no. I like I like books. Here. I know, I know. I'm just okay. Saying. Although the color of the shell does not affect the contents of the egg, it is commonly believed in England that brown eggs are more nutritious than white. I'd say it made, that idea made its way over here. Um, do you feel like brown eggs are more healthy? I feel like this has been debunked so many times. I'm not falling for that nonsense. I've never heard this. Okay, curiously, in some countries, such as the USA, oh, they're calling us out. White <laughs> eggs are believed to be somehow pure. What? This is ridiculous. I had actually never read this and are so much more in demand than brown eggs. Interesting. You know what? That guy's never even been to the USA. Yeah. I think he's kind of like, I think that was like throwing us under the bus a little bit. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, all right. So white eggs, brown eggs, chemisel, tomato, tomato. (laughs) I have a neighbor who has chickens and she just, her eggs are like all the shades and it's just so, it feels so farm fresh. It is so beautiful. You can throw in like the blue egg and the um, I'm going, okay, here's one. Cause I just found it in the book. Fright cures hiccups. So that is not true. So scaring someone out of the hiccups. Yes. But um, it's fun to try. It's super fun. <laughs> Take that try. away from me. That's like um, one of my favorite pastimes. How about this one? A weak chin shows weakness of character. Never heard that before. You never heard that? No. Oh, they used to believe that. Like if you're looking at someone from the side, if you don't have like a strong, prominent chin, that it shows weakness of character. Interesting. Um, okay. I, I, I'm very confused about this one. Cinderella wore glass slippers. Oh, this is fascinating. Hold on. I've got to find this in the book. Um, well, how, it, like, she's a fictional character. No, this is amazing, actually. I'll read you as soon as I find it. Um, the it always did background. trouble me, though. Wearing glass shoes? That sounds like incredibly, one, painful. Two, like if you step too hard. Okay. Okay, this is amazing. Every child knows that in the fairy tale, Cinderella wore glass slippers. And if impractical, the idea of wearing such delicate footwear is in keeping with the fantastic nature of the tale. But in fact, in the early French version of the story, Cinderella was equipped with far more practical pantoufles and verre slippers of fur or white ermine so ermine's like another type of fur so she was wearing fur slippers a valuable material used she was wearing uggs is what you're telling me she was wearing uggs exactly (laughs) no wonder um a valuable material used only by royalty and thus appropriate to cinderella's newfound status okay Mm -hmm. but by the 14th century the word ver so v-a-i-r or however you say it in french had gone out of use and so when charles perrault rewrote the story in french in 19 1697, he was unfamiliar with it. And he mistook ver, V-A-I-R, for V-E-R-R-E, or glass. What do you think about that? Fascinating. Fascinating. Like, that's something to tell your children. Um, at diff- there have been different times, amazingly, over 300 forms of the Cinderella story in different countries. In many versions, the slipper is made of a scarce material. It can be silk, pearl embroidered, jewel spangled, silver, or gold. But it's only in six versions that the slipper is glass. And all six are of French origin. There you go. That's amazing. What do you think of that? So we have, we get our version from the Peralt version. So to us, Cinderella's slippers will always be made of glass. <gasps> bum, bum, bum. I mean, let's just shut down the show. My daughter. You know what? Cinderella, she just went to this ball her Uggs and she was good. And she was good. She wore home her fur, footwear. her fur shoes. But here's the question though. Doesn't glass make it so much better for the ugly stepsisters? What do you mean? Because like, I mean, I could fit my feet into fur shoes. Yeah, it does, it does feel them. like the glass is less forgiving. Right. <laughs> it's not right. like flip-flops were like, yeah, it's like small, medium, large. Like right, it's like exactly. the last shoe Matter. is clearly made for her. Yeah. Um, let's okay, I'm trying to Toads find. cause warts. Uh hold on. I found another one. 
lightning zigzags and never strikes twice. That's also on my list. Is this um, that's not light- true? No, ignorance. Uh, see, it starts with ignorance. I love the <laughs> British. They know. Ignorance of the nature of lightning has led to a wealth of superstition, the chief oh. of which in Western culture, oh my God, there he goes throwing us under the bus, <laughs> is that lightning never strikes twice in the same place. In fact, lightning often strikes prominent buildings as long as they remain. <laughs> so the Empire State Building was struck 68 times during its first 10 years, and numerous English churches have been struck on more than one occasion. For this reason, high buildings have a lightning conductor, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, so lightning totally strikes twice. I have brought up the movie Sweet Home Alabama multiple times in the last two days. Oh, I know, with that sand and the glass? That's so cool. <laughs> well, isn't that part of the movie, though? When they, is that, when, yeah, when it's like, like lightning never strikes, the- twi- strikes the same place twice, but then they fall in love again, and it's so cute. Yeah, oh, but I want to go where, like, movie. he digs up all those cool glass pieces. Well, you me. can, because you're in Alabama, Graham. I don't know about that. I know those are the beaches. And honestly, people get struck on those beaches all the time. Just hearing you say, I don't know about that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, Uh, A car with one lady owner is a good buy. um, A secondhand car with one lady owner. It basically means. She doesn't like like, drive it anywhere. I guess people thought that if you get a, if like a little old lady offers to sell you her car, like run as far as you can. Because people used to think, oh, it was only owned by this little old lady. She must have only used it to go, like, to the hairdresser or, you know, just small little trips. Um, But it's far from a prudent buy. The most serious wear on your car's engine occurs when it's cold and driven on choke. Actually, this is not germane to our life. Unburnt (laughs) unburnt petrol in the cylinder washes away the protective film i should not be getting my data from british books from 1973 uh, washes away the protective film of oil on the cylinder walls if the car is used for only brief journeys there's every chance that the engine is never functioning at its optimum temperature mm, and you want may- you want an old lady who takes road trips <laughs> uh, you want okay, someone who's driven some miles an apple a day keeps the doctor away is this from my thing? You're yeah. jumping all over. This book does have chapters, Kirsten. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm not actually looking at the book, Graham. We're in different locations. Wait, do we have Crocodile Shed Tears? I don't think I put that on uh, there. No, I, did, I didn't know that. Um, the belief that the crocodile is unhappy at killing its prey is quite erroneous. Crocodiles <laughs> do... <laughs> I didn't know that. Crocodiles do shed tears as a simple reflex action when the jaws are wide open, as we might when we yawn. And there's some, so there is some basis to the old myth after all. Oh, well, that's nice. Oh, that crocodiles are like, I'm eating you, but I don't want to do it. Yeah, I like that. I didn't know uh, that. Okay. That's the first Toads, okay, where's the toe? Oh, no, wait, let's do this one. Cats suck the breath from sleeping babies. Have you heard that one? I used to I hear that one a lot. Well, you know how I feel about cats. Yeah, you don't like cats. Um, well, and, and uh, there's that article in The Atlantic that backs me up that all cats are evil. Oh, you were excited about that for days. I don't oh, know. I, 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 I tell more people about this article. I'm going to tell everybody. You guys, there's this article in The Atlantic. We should find it. We should do a whole episode on it. But basically, you know how there's things that attract us to other people, like symmetry or big eyes or whatever it is. There are, and it's like very scientific. You know, like if you go to a plastic surgeon, they like know what makes a face like, you know, you know, attractive to the vast majority mm-hmm. or whatever it is. So there's these markers in a cat's face that resemble a newborn baby's face. And so as humans, we are like 
tricked into thinking that cats are good because they have these like biological markers that resemble a human baby. So we don't realize that they're evil. Now we're shedding knowledge on the show today. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is just amazing. Okay, wait, this one I really want to do. Shaving makes hair grow faster. Uh, okay, hold on. I'm really having to work the book. Um, <laughs> I want me to just Google it. I do have two wait, laptops. You want me to do the toads cause warts one? I just found that. The okay, warty fine. appearance of some species of toads has led people to believe that they cause warts on the hands of touch. This is not true. Toads release an irritating secretion from their skin, which is designed to repel other animals. In contact with a cut on the skin of the hand, it would probably cause some itching and discomfort, but it would not cause a wart. In fact, among the gypsies and South American Indians, it is believed that handling toads cures warts. Oh, now we're learning. Okay. Oh, shaving makes hair grow faster. Beard growth, like baldness, is determined by hereditary and cannot be influenced by any external means. See, I don't believe this. I don't believe this. Um, <laughs> once the hair has emerged from the follicles in which it is produced, it is dead, and no amount of shaving will speed up the growth. I call BS. I just call BS. The belief that repeat- Wait, once hair is released from a follicle, it's dead? Once hair has emerged from the follicles in which it is produced, it is dead. Yeah, we know. I mean, hair is dead skin. Um, and no amount of shaving will speed up its growth. The belief that repeated shaving when baldness occurs will divert energy from the chin to help the scalp is also quite fallacious. Now, I'd never heard that. Hmm. To like start shaving your head like a madman and leave your chin alone. It'll make your hair grow in your head. <laughs> I don't know. All I know is that, that that like new form of lady shaving that everyone gets, which basically they have a fancy name for it. Oh, dermaplaning, but it's really just lady shaving. Um, see, I think it makes hair grow back faster. Do you do dermaplaning? Not anymore. I tried it once. I think it made my hair grow back. <laughs> oh, it's addicting. Yeah, I know. Because all glow. of a sudden, you, yeah, because you didn't have a beard and now you do have a beard and you've got to take care of it. No, everybody has like that just like little fuzz all over their face. Not even yeah. beard, like forehead. You've got tiny little hair. That I had never noticed once in my life until I got dermaplane. And then you're like, I glow. Yeah, I guess. Whatever. I'm not a fan. Oh, I love it. Okay. Um, interesting. Oh, cold. Wait, what about feed a cold and starve a fever? That's a good one. There's no possible justification for stuffing yourself full of food when you have a cold <laughs> or abstaining totally in the case of a fever. Okay. Besides so interesting because you've, you've touched on two of the things on my list. My daughter has pneumonia right now. Did I even tell you that? It's just pneumonia. No, that's horrible. I know. I've never had a child have pneumonia and it's so weird because she just had a tummy ache. And, and a fever and a cough. Okay, maybe it's not that weird. But anyhow, so my husband's doing all this research. And you know how when you have a fever, people try to like cool you down? Oh, yeah. I think that's done. That's over, right? Right. And so fevers are like good because fever is making it uncomfortable. Is your body making it hot mm-hmm. to make the virus uncomfortable? Yeah. Oh, hi. Speaking of pneumonia, hold, hold on. I'm going to pause this for a minute. Okay, we're back. Sorry, we had to, um, speaking of pneumonia, my little pumpkin walked in. So now we're back. We're um, you, should just, you should dip her in an ice water bath and give her some apples. <laughs> I will not. Pump that girl full of apples. No. All right. Okay. Okay, wait. Um, Here are some things that are interesting. Chocolate causes its. You know how that was like when we were growing up, we were teenagers and like every magazine, it said like, that's a myth. Mm-hmm. It's totally not a myth. Chocolate does cause its. I think it does. I, I can eat dark causes. chocolate and be fine, but if I eat milk chocolate, I totally get it. Mm. The cheaper the chocolate, like the like 
advent calendars. I uh-huh. look at an advent calendar, I guess. <laughs> there is something in that waxy looking chocolate. Oh. Like when you get the Russell Stover's um, stuff for Valentine's Day, I love it. It's so good, but you're right. Like it just, it just kind of oils its way through your body. For sure. Um, okay. This one was for my brother-in-law. Sucking the poison from a rattlesnake bite doesn't help. Don't know if that's come. Yes, firsthand knowledge. Of that. I don't know if that's something my listeners have uh, have dealt with a lot, but don't worry about it. Then this one, we had a. I didn't want to Google it. Remember, I wanted to have an actual conversation. Okay. So, what was the verdict? We didn't know. Peeing on a jellyfish bite. I've heard hundred percent yes. I okay. think that is a yes. That was go that was that. the consensus here too. I don't okay. know. I just think, and if nothing else, it's hilarious. You okay. might as well give it a try. <laughs> you can't catch a cold from being out in the rain. Hmm. Now again, your list is fake. So my list, um, fake. my list is my list is like, what if we just had to talk to people and figure out if it's true or not? Um, I don't think it's true. By the way, yours came from a book, and you still argued with like three of them. Two, two of them. Okay, bad things come in threes. Well, I'm arguing with that. I think bad things do come in three. Well, that here's, comes in three. We know that, Kirsten. That actually came from a website. Uh huh. And this is the thing. They're like, yeah. If you want to say things come in three, then you just wait till the third one comes. And then you're like, look, there's three. Yeah, exactly. But it usually comes around the same time. Things Basically, what they're saying is it's, a, it's like you have created the context, so that's how you're going to look at it. That's so Oprah of you. Okay. okay. I believe here's, it. Here's one that is going to make Graham furious. I'm already furious. I'm looking at it, and I'm feeling furious. My body's filling with rage. Find a penny, pick it up. All day long, you'll have good luck. You know how I feel about pennies. Graham, Graham loves a lucky penny. Like it, it brings her great joy. And people, I'll go walking with friends and like I'll pick, I'm the girl who'll pick up like the dirty penny in a puddle. Cause again, I don't really care about germs. So it's like, I have visually seen people I've been walking with like cringe and kind of like jump away from me when I pick up pennies and I put them in my pocket. Okay. So here's, I did a little research on this one for you. So here's what, here's what it is, is that metal used to be believed. Um, hold on. I'm going to actually give this to you properly. This came from a website called best life online. And it says um, a long time ago, it was thought that metals were gifts from the gods sent down as a form of protection. And seeing as pennies are made from copper, a metal, the currency became associated with good luck. I like that. That's fun. Well, see, I still flip over my penny. So if it's tails up, I'll flip it over to heads up and I'll leave it so somebody else can find it. Oh, so you, you're not going to pick it up? I don't pick up a tails up penny. I just flip it for the next person. But even if it's like in a puddle, I'll still go out of my way to flip it because I feel like it's bad luck not to flip the penny. Interesting. You, so you're okay touching that. You're not worried bad luck. I'll touch a dirty penny without even like picking it up. Well, because then I feel like it's bad karma because if I haven't flipped the penny, like how am I going to start finding other good heads up pennies? So I think we both have, I think we have our doctoral um, thesis statements and yours is going to be on pennies. I think so. And mine is going to be on, um, on uh, Fitbit trackers. We're getting our degrees, Kirsten. Okay. On that the last note, one. No, 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 no. We have the last one because this one has terrified me my whole life. And this is from that same website. If you cross your eyes, they could get stuck that way. I did hear that when I was little, but that's not true, right? Crossing your eyes requires the same type of me- muscle flexation that's showing off your biceps does. And seeing as your arms don't get stuck in a bicep flex every time <laughs> you show off your guns, it's safe to say your eyes won't get stuck every time you cross them either. So again, that's from the Best Life Online Old Wives Tales. So This was fun. I enjoyed this. We might need some other ones. Hey, we got some really nice, sweet emails from people after our last episode about... Um, 
what was it? Someone emailed us about how to handle um, the life skills. Yeah, the life skills. We got a couple good life skills emails. Yeah, we did. Um, you guys so, are doing a good job raising your families because everybody's like had great ideas. Yeah, they really did. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone, and have a wonderful day. If you would be so kind as to give us a positive review on iTunes and or more importantly, just share the show with a few friends. Our really our growth thing is working. Um, so thank you for sharing. <laughs> A growth thing. Oh, Graham. All right. I love how professional you are. I'm a little tired today. Okay. Everybody have a wonderful day. Actually, I'm not tired. Good. I had a wonderful night of sleep. You're making me tired. <laughs> I am podcasting from bed today, which is- I was sleeping at 8.40 last night. Something about um, you is making me tired. I, I think it's the fact that I'm on, I'm on vacation right now. So I'm, I'm podcasting from a bed because it was the only self space, which is, yeah. which is hard. So. I'm channeling you, but I, I'm awake. I'm alive. I feel great. Okay. See you later. I got life to live. Welcome home. <laughs> <laughs>